I am an empowerment coach. I am here to empower you to create the life that you want to live. Hello and welcome. This is Jamie Black. I am here to empower you to listen to your intuition, to quit your slave job, to be brave enough to figure out how to serve your sacred purpose. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Silver Lake Priestess podcast. This is Jamie Black. Today is a full moon, and one minute ago, the sun just moved into Aries. So we are at the spring equinox, exactly, and we are now into the Aries season, and like I said, it's a full moon, so it's quite magical energy that we are experiencing right now. We're also in retrograde, but retrogrades can bring up all the things that we need to work on, so they can really be a blessing. So today for the show, I have an interview with Joy Shannon. We just did it live on Facebook a couple hours ago. Joy Shannon is a musician. She's a witch. She's an artist. She is a tattoo artist. She's a healer. She does amazing tattoo rituals with people where she applies Reiki healing at the same time. And we decided to call this episode Spellcraft Witchcraft because, I'm sorry, Songcraft Witchcraft, because that's something that we both do. We both write intentional music for healing, and that's one of the ways that we connected. Uh, she and I played in a show out in the forest the first time that we met, and that was probably around a year year and a half ago or so now. So anyway, I'm really excited to have her on the show. So right before we do that, I would just like to thank you for being here and thank you for tuning in to the podcast every week and listening to all the episodes. If you haven't done so yet, would you please subscribe? And if you do have iTunes, would you mind going over to iTunes and leaving just a really heartfelt review? It'll help. Um, it helps with exposure of the show and when people are maybe reading reviews about the shows, you know, it just helps. There's one more thing. I set up a Patreon page for the Silver Lake Priestess podcast specifically. So if you would like to donate to the show, um, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Silver Lake Priestess. And I'm definitely open to suggestions of what kind of things you would like me to offer in exchange for your contribution. You can donate as little as a dollar a month, and every little bit helps. I'm so grateful for all of the support and all of the sharing and listening and feedback and everything from all of you. So thank you so much. And with that... I'll take you over to the Spring Equinox interview with Joy Shannon. Here we go. Welcome. Welcome to the Silver Lake Priestess podcast. It's a full moon. It's Spring Equinox. And I'm here with Joy Shannon, incredible musician, witch, healer, artist. 
I'm so happy to have you on the show. I'm so honored to have you come here and bless us with your energy and your music. And so excited to be celebrating this special time of the year with you. So welcome, Joy. Oh, you're welcome. I think that we might have been playing together at the at the fall equinox. Yes. Yeah, we might have been. So so, um, I'm not sure on the flip side then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so this show, this podcast, uh, for anyone new who's turning, who's tuning in, um, you know, I interview women of magical, of all the different magical sorts, priestesses, witches, healers, musicians that create magical music, um, and uh, readers and psychics and all of the types of women that back in the day were branded as witches and killed and burned. And I think that this, you know, this is such an important subject. It's such a subject of interest for so many of us that connect with, with the witch, with the priestess. Um, there's, there's some of us who've been in touch with that part of ourselves for years. And then there's like this great awakening that is happening just within women everywhere. And I think that why that is happening is because it's time for all of that healing to take place. In the coaching industry, there's a lot of conversation around the mother wound or the sister wound. But the witch wound is also very part of that. I'm totally getting chills right now. It's very much part of that because back when all of this was going down, you know, constant from, from the things that I've been reading um, lately, just kind of also like double checking on some of the history, Constantine was really one of the initiator of all of this. And he made the church, like he gave the church so much power and what they did is they, you know, they wanted to wipe out um, the female, um, what is the word I want to say, but like they wanted to wipe out female power. So they demolished all of the goddess temples and they built churches on top of them. And people were no longer allowed to practice their old ways of practicing. And then his sons kind of got even more evil than him. And that's when they started doing all of the burnings and burning women in public and chopping them into pieces and all of the crazy horror, horrific stuff that we know about. Um, but that was very confusing for people because it was okay. It was ordained by the church. This was what was supposed to be happening. And so some of the ways that they would get certain women that they wanted, right? Certain women that they wanted to get rid of there would be some blackmailing involved. So maybe this was your friend, or maybe this was your sister, but the church would also present it in a way that they were gonna get you also for witchcraft. So maybe if you turned on your sister, turned on your best friend, they wouldn't burn your children. They wouldn't kill your children or take your families away from you or burn you. And so this caused a lot of people having to choose that choose their children or choose their own survival over that of someone else's. And so their participation, obviously you can imagine the type of pain that it caused with inside of them, but also like this distrust among women and what that feels like. Yeah. That, I mean, that's a, that's a wound of, 
isolation, like women being trapped in the Western world, trapped with just their family unit, isolated without their sisters, friends that are around to be a supportive group. Yeah. So I commend you for bringing that up and being part of the, a movement now to heal that. It's so important, I think, and that's why when I first saw you perform and you performed that song, it was so moving to me and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe that this song is happening. So I'll just give you all a little bit of a background. Um, Joy and I were introduced through a mutual mu musician friend and he, um, uh, Jay from Days, he, I was playing shows with him and um, you two have known each other for a long time and so he kept saying to me, you have to meet my friend Joy and then all of a sudden there was an opportunity for us to play a show together. You, it was like a show out in the forest and I got contacted and you and I got linked up. And so I was excited to meet Jay's friend and checked out your music and was like, oh, this is really beautiful and I'm totally interested in you know, meeting this woman and seeing her music. Um, but as I was sitting there and listening to your performance, your content spoke to me to all of the things that I'm interested in, right? Because a lot of it, there's like Celtic mythology and just the old world folklore and mythology from places that I really love and feel connected to, like Scotland and England and Ireland. But then you played this song, please uh, correct me of the name of it. What is the Midsummer? What is this? Midsummer Witch Hunt. The Midsummer Witch Hunt. And I'm going to be featuring that in the podcast episode so that people can hear it. And I've posted it, um, and it's on YouTube. There's an incredible video that Joy has made, but it is about the happenings. It's about what's happening to this woman as she's being branded a witch and what they're doing to her. And the song itself is like a spell. And it's something that I was listening to it, and I was like, whoa, this is like a message that is coming through from the spirit of woman and anyway i would just love to ask you about that song and what inspired you to write that song and then we'll go back and i'll ask you about you know your history and all of that but really that was my first really like moving experience um from you and from like your content that you put out that was it was anyway so important i was like this woman is on the same she's on the same uh, the same vibration frequency of you know what is important and awareness you know what you're aware of so please share with us about that song so um long before i ever wrote that song i, I think i i really now to use my music for healing not only healing myself but hoping that through healing myself if i shared it as songs it could help heal others Early on, when I started sharing my music with others, um, I would get feedback about that. I think things that people could relate to. Um, but I gradually started to write music more and more uh, about other people rather than myself. Um, but then I would actually find deep healing in relating to other people through song. So it's kind of this symbiotic relationship that I found of like singing about my own healing, singing about healing others and then how others heal me, and I can heal others. Um, 
And that song really was born out of that idea. Um, I set out to write the album of that song, The On, as a tribute to the Wheel of the Year. And I wanted to use the songs to reconnect to like the ancient concepts um, of various holidays and what those holidays represented. And I used it as just a big research project. And I had the song right in the middle. I had to kind of chart it out like, okay, I'm going to write my summer song, Midsummer. And I thought, oh, that's going to be really fun. It'll be really happy. <laughs> Midsummer was such a joyous time. But then what kept coming up was not the way Midsummer might have been celebrated in the ancient times, but what kept coming up for me was um, how these traditions had gotten corrupted by persecution, everything, all the layers of history that had happened since the people that I was trying to get at, the history of people's interaction with the earth in a more tribal way. Um, so I thought, you know what, I think I really have to honor all of those people that were trying to hold on to an ancient tradition, but were killed as a result or persecuted as a result. Um, so obviously some of them survived enough that I can even learn about these ancient traditions. So I just felt like it was such an important thing to write about. So right in the middle of this album that was meant to be just a ritualistic album honoring all of the holidays, there's kind of a song that almost doesn't fit but I felt like it was really powerful to put out and important because um, it doesn't fit, and that's the whole point. It doesn't fit because it's what happened to these traditions, how they got lost or how they became persecuted. Um, so when I started writing that song, I think I got, I had done some research about witch hunting and um, all of that. You can't help but be really angry about it the second you start learning about what was done um, because just it's just injustice just plain terrible injustice um, and it gets it gets under my skin because it, it gets to the very heart of what i don't like about just what humans do to each other even from like playground ridicule to at, at the worst and the biggest like cultural prejudice and racism and all this, all the terrible things that we can do is just you know, label people and make them wrong because they're different from us. Um, so essentially that song really is about that, um, but I used it in the frame or the context of which ones um, When I wrote the song, I, I do feel like I really did channel something that was, was not me. Um, I had done mostly research about the cultural context of witch hunting, but I hadn't researched what actually happened, what people, what what was actually done to people, because that part is just too dark to me, and it's too, it, it would give me nightmares. But I ended up writing a song about that, and it was just because I started to think, well, if this was done to me, what would be the scariest part of this? Not dying, but all of that time beforehand, the ritual of it, terrible ritual of it, of all these, um, these actions that people did. So in essence, the song is that, but I, I think I think in a sense I was thinking when I did that, it was releasing 
um, or being honest about what was done so that we could release and uh, actually heal. So it's almost like the reopening of a wound to, to, to let the air get to it so that we can heal it. And then <laughs> the song, the character in the song, she, she's essentially saying, I've never cursed anybody. I'm not who you think I am, all these things that you're putting on me. In fact, all of that is on you. It's not me. You're the one being like that. You're cursing. You're... So she's trying to throw it back at them. But in the end, as she's nearing her death, she, she, does, she decides that, all right, I'll throw it right back at you. And she just switches into this ginormous curse where um, in what she says, I think, I was thinking about, well, if all of these women that were holding on, men and women, were holding on to um, the connection to the earth and um, these, these ancient ways, they're scared of practicing that and they're, some of them killed for practicing that. Um, what type of curse would it be? And it would be a curse, I, I felt like, one that had to do with the earth. Um, it's almost like, all the things that, um, well, it's based on the principle, like, it's hard to explain, but the, the idea of, like, when somebody hurts another person, rapes somebody, or they, they murder somebody, or they just abuse somebody, they have to live with themselves. So essentially that curse that she says in the song is saying, what you've done to me and my body is what you're doing to the earth, and what you're doing to your own heart. It's all going back to you. I don't know, there's layers of sexual abuse references in the song, too, so it's kind of all this, like, it's almost like the fertility birth mother was raped and she's basically saying, you guys got to fix this. You wounded me deeply. It is a heavy song. Yeah. Um, I invite everyone to look that up and watch the video and listen to it. It's really powerful. Thank you for, for sharing. So, yeah. Talking about music is so funny because I'm reminded why we write songs. I can say everything in such a more calm, uh, just fluid and like simple way in a song where you feel the emotions, but trying to explain it is so complicated. Yeah. I understand that also, um, but sound, you know, the, it's, the sound travels and is received and understood through the body, through the water in the body. Um, so yeah, but it's interesting, you know, it's interesting for us, to, especially people who like don't write a song. It's really interesting to hear, you know, how that does come through someone. Um, yeah. So, um, about being a witch, um, when did you first know in your life that you were? Gosh, I wouldn't have used that word. <laughs> I didn't reclaim that word really until I wrote the Midsummer Witch Hunt song. And I started to say, you know what, fuck it. I'll use that word. I think I was a little bit scared of it. And that might be kind of just the old witch wound where just the word itself was so scary to me. But I've been who I am since I was little. You know, I, I, I really feel I was, I was born the way that I am. Um, always just 
more connected to spirit. Um, I could always sense people's energy. I saw ghosts since I was little. Mm-hmm. I can always just feel an immense amount, and um, it's really been my my goal as an adult to stay in touch with the sensitivity I had as a child and also um, wield it in a responsible way that, that I didn't necessarily understand how to do when I was little. So I, that's why I have studied so many different spiritual pursuits from Reiki to tarot to yogi philosophy, yoga. I'm trying to really understand myself and be able to have better words to describe mm-hmm. the, the spiritual layers of kind of spiritual experience that I have in the And song is also a big part of that. Yeah, music is a very spiritual experience. And I get a lot of information, I get a lot of communication from my guidance as well when I play. And it, if I go through periods of time that I'm not playing for whatever reason, um, I do feel the I feel the lack of that channel being open. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah basically sitting down with my voice or my heart with my voice or really any instrument um, is like sitting down to meditation. Right, that open channel. When did you start with your when did you start playing music? I I don't remember. I think it was ever since I was little, little. I was obviously writing songs. My best friend tells me that when I was six years old, she remembers my first song I ever wrote that I was very proud of. Um, I don't remember it. Oh, wow. (laughs) Um, It was about rainbows, apparently. (laughs) But yeah, we were were very much obsessed with Care Bears and My Little Pony. I had a lot of My Little Ponies. <laughs> um, what was your first instrument? I like singing, uh, but then I also played, I had a tiny keyboard that I would just play, um, and then uh, started playing uh, tin whistle, because we had it around our house, and then recorder in school, because that's what they made you play. And then I played cello after that, so when I was about eight years old, started playing cello. I still play cello, but I don't use it in an orchestral way anymore. I really just use it to back up what I'm doing when I don't use it. But then I started playing harp when I was eight, and that became my true love, really. I, I know the moment I realized that harp was what I was supposed to play. I was in orchestra playing cello, and we had a soloist coming in, and she rolled this ginormous instrument in with us and unwrapped it like this giant present mm-hmm. and what I saw underneath was just like oh, the most beautiful thing I've ever seen this giant harp and then she started playing and it was just a moment where I was like that's that's it that's what I'm going to play did you get did you get one right away did that happen right away no it's funny um, that woman this lovely woman her name is Ellie Choate she's an amazing orchestral harp player she played with my orchestra, and then um, the next year I went to college, and I ran into her again. I was playing cello still in, in the cello orchestra there, 
and I ran into her again, and she was like, when are you going to play harp? And I'm like, you know, gosh, I was worried about money. I'm a college student. You know, I was thinking, oh, I have to rent the instrument and pay for lessons and stuff. And that was a big deal for me at the time. But finally, I just kept running into her so many times that she kept asking me. But I was like, all right, all right. I take it as a sign. I'm supposed to do it. And once I did, it was just, it just flowed and it was easy. Not, not as easy as an instrument, but easy to do. Like the flow of learning and being excited about it. Well, you were so meant to play that instrument, like clearly have played it in other lifetimes. Like I get it. I get, I see. Yes. <laughs> Now cello feels harder to me because it feels like I this is the first time I ever learned how to play it. But when I sat down behind the harp, it was like, oh yeah, it was like remembering, not learning. Yeah, I totally get that. So, what are all the instruments that you're playing currently? I really do focus on harp, but I I also play harmonium when I need some extra droney stuff. I use my cello like a drone a lot too. That I'll just play with you know, guitar pedals to, to make drones. I have played accordion also for drones. I guess I just like drones. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not an accordion player really. So I really just focus on cello and harp for voice. I do want to get a nickel arpa, that Swedish instrument, but somewhere between a harmonium and a cello, like a bow and this little piece. It's almost like an auto harp, small string for a cello. It has a great sound, so that's my next pursuit. It's a little bit lighter than a cello, probably. It's smaller, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So something else that you do is you're also an artist. Yeah, yeah. Remarkably, that is how I fund my music. <laughs> I was a very stubborn kid who always wanted to be an artist in my life. I just insisted on not working other jobs <laughs> since I was a kid. I um, I did all sorts of like coffee shop things. I was always just trying to get out of them as fast as possible to just do art. Yeah, so that's, I, I had two uh, different careers, but I ended up uh, landing on tattoo. Uh, I'm a tattoo artist now, and illustration and design and stuff, plus tattooing, and then my music. So I know I haven't um, haven't had the experience of getting a tattoo from Joy yet. It's on my list, but I know that you offer this incredible like ritual Reiki experience with the tattoo. So tell us about that a little bit. Well, so um, I studied Reiki since I was about sixteen, and it was just because I was always a very sensitive kid, and I wanted to figure out ways to channel that sensitivity use it for good. So I came across Reiki, which was a godsend to learn, you know, channeling energy, and, you know, just this kind of focused meditation on healing. Um, so I did that mostly just for friends and family for years and years while I did also for other jobs. 
and then ultimately when I started tattooing, uh, I realized, well, wow, this is body work. I'll be working really close to people's bodies. I'll be piercing them essentially with a needle and um, hurting them. So I wanted to balance that out with something that is healing energy. So I started developing it with some really open-minded clients of mine who wanted tattoos from me, but then I, I said, you know what, I'm trying out a new thing. I want to start doing great tattoos, and are you willing to open it? experience it with me and give me feedback and help me sculpt how I would do a typical Reiki plus tattoo appointment. So I started developing it a few years ago, and uh, with the help of just lovely clients who were really open, just helped me with that feedback that I needed. Um, I started to create you know, my, my typical session that I do with people. Though it changes every time, it's essentially just directed by the energy of my clients and what they need. But I am very, very lucky that I open and lovely tattoo clients that will come to me already like with the idea that they would like to um, have this tattoo mean something really significant. And so the Reiki can help just support that, where um, if the tattoo has an intention, we you know, basically do a meditation about the intention of the tattoo. I go through and talk to them and call me Reiki session and then focus on that intention and then we'll do the tattoo that's so awesome yeah i have yeah. i have i well i'm actually working on a book right now about ritual tattoos because um, it's something that a lot of people ask me what is a ritual tattoo and i call it that for lack of a better term and I, I, I thought, well, you know, I've always, always trying to define it for people. So I thought, well, with the help of a lot of my clients who've done the process with me, I'm creating a book with imagery and discussion about what or how uh, tattoos have been used as a ritual for forever, probably longer than written history. Um, and, you know, why is that important to still incorporate into tattoos? But really, I feel like those of us who are really spiritual um, use tattoos to mark um, significant lessons in our lives or significant moments. They're almost like your warrior marks that, you know, or even marks of power, like spiritual power. Mm -hmm. can be can be all sorts of levels in there. Um, but I just wanted to basically like, talk about it openly so I think people have been using tattoos in our life now like that without even really having a word for it. Yeah. So that's what I'm working on. Awesome. Awesome. Um, yeah, I look forward to I know you do a lot of like the goddess symbol tattoos. Uh, and I actually don't have that on my body yet. So I'm like, okay, that's the first thing that I'm getting from her. Um, I just have to come down and and make that happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ended up I think tattooing really just fell in my lap almost in the same way as heart playing did. It was like a past life thing that you found me, mm. made me do it <laughs> because um, 
when I learned, I was almost reluctant to change careers because I was already established as a teacher, as a professor, and teaching art. And uh, I thought that's what I would do forever because I enjoyed that. But I just had so much energy behind learning how to tattoo them. So many people asking me to tattoo them. All of my girlfriends in the very beginning, first year of me tattooing, everybody wanted the triple goddess symbol. <laughs> which any tattooer knows when you're first learning how to tattoo. Straight lines and circles are really hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> you have to get good really fast to be able to do those designs well. But that's ultimately why I called myself people about as tattoos. Oh, but what? All the girls, no. that come, they basically named me. That was what I was <laughs> Oh, I love that. I just had something I was going to ask you. Oh. Well, I'll just say this. So um, for those of you who are listening and you know about the kind of retreats that I do and then creating and the Red Tent retreat that I did and taking a bunch of women to Avalon this year, when I met Joy and, uh, you know, one of my, one of my gifts is um, I can really see I, I can see like the purpose inside of people. I can see their mission. I can see what they're good at, and I can I can I get really inspired by them. And I get all these downloads from people when I'm around them. And then there's this other thing too that like if I meet someone and then I can see that like there's all these things that we could do together, I just start getting all of these ideas of like oh we could do this and we can create this. And so one of the things that I started to see with joy right away is that we could, you know, I've spent a lot of time in Glastonbury and you spent so much time over there in the UK and I see all of your photos in Scotland and Ireland. And so I'm like, what if we create a retreat where we take women to all of these sacred sites in these places and we hold circle and we, perform music for them. So it can either be like something that we all get to play because I've been working a lot with the frame drum, which is this priestess drum and teaching women how to play it. So there's two things. One, because I'm a musician myself, I want to be able to bring women to these incredible places that are outside. Like we played outside in the forest together. We played out in a cave together over um, right near, you know, Samhain this past year. And it's such a powerful experience to play outside. Also for all of us as humans to be outside, you know, both of us live in really big cities. It's very common for people here to just not really have an experience with nature, not to be used to walking on the ground, barefoot on the grass, sitting under a tree even, like just not a really normal behavior. And so what if we could take women to these sacred sites, sit on the earth and they can receive music, like healing music, also play music. And then what if at the end of the experience of our tour, they were also something that was part of that was, you know, getting a ritual tattoo from you. And it would be something that like you and them create together, not that we're all branding ourselves as this like group and we're all getting the same thing, but more like from the transformation maybe that they experienced or the wake, the awakening that they experienced on this journey to get a ritual tattoo to mark that for them. So for any of you listening, if you're interested in that, get in touch with me and let me know because I'm, I'm trying to set this up and um, make it all happen so we can do that because it would be such an amazing experience. 
Yeah, it'd be so good. I mean, I would love to go on that myself. So that's one of the things too that I like to create is like, I'm just gonna create like the experience that I would love to have. So, okay, I am really excited to be able to have you perform live for us on the show. So we'll just talk a little bit about, um, so this is a, 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 a holy day. This is a day that has to do with nature, has to do with the earth, has to do with the sun. This is our midway point between the between the solstices, between the winter solstice and the summer solstice, we have the equinoxes and we're at the spring equinox. So even if it's just the simple, like it's the first day of spring, this is when this, the seeds that we've planted, planted are sprouting. This, this, this is when the intentions that we were just making at, um, at Imbolc, like I don't even know when that was, like maybe six weeks ago or something. This is when the first light is actually like becoming real and manifest and we can take action on it. Um, this is also, you know, one of the older holidays that was practiced in the Celtic tradition. And um, I know that there's some goddesses that you work with a little bit. So I'm gonna let you pick whatever song that it is that you would love to play for us. But tell us a little bit about what you do for the spring equinox and what is your practice? I'm not a strict practicer of any specific religion. Um, I definitely just want to always feel connected to nature. And that's what I do love about May, as well as solstices and autumn knots and any other holidays that are marking something significant that we can witness um, and bear witness to the beautiful flowering of everything that's starting to sprout now. And today is also a special part of the as well. Um, just, you can feel that like coming to fruition um, that the earth is basically sharing with us. So really, I'd love to meditate on that. One of the things that um, I always uh, held near and dear to my heart was something I read years ago when I was a kid about how um, within the ancient Celtic belief system, essentially anything you needed to learn was found in nature. Anything about life, any question, a tree could teach you, or a flower could teach you, a butterfly could teach you. Essentially, you can find God in all these things, everywhere around you. And so I always wanted to basically use these days as a day to reflect on that. What is nature showing us today? You know, and what, what can we learn? What can we bring into our life symbolically? Um, so I do it different every year. It's pretty common feeling. Um, sometimes, like this, this year, this is my ritual. It's talking about things that make me happy. And reminding myself to stay centered in that. So I'm going to probably do something beautiful for you tonight. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I'm going to um, play with June, and uh, we're going to do a live ritual here. And so I've been doing just a live ritual that just like this, like I can broadcast it on the social media. 
and then people all over can participate in it. And we play music and we pull some cards and write things down that we want to let go of because it's a full moon and we burn it and then we set some intentions and, and we play music and so that's always really nice. Music is always part of my ritual. Music is always part of like my celebratory experience. Um, this is how I connect and then it's also it's how I channel. It's it's how I connect out this way, and then it's how I connect up this way, and so it's kind of like both of those connections happening at the same time when I release my voice for the most part. Yeah. I feel that too. Yeah. And sometimes it's as simple as just sitting down to play a song, you know, like the exact kind of ritual and meditation. Yeah, I definitely connects me. Um, what I've been reflecting on lately has been the, um, just the Bardic tradition. Right? Mm -hmm. Lots of ancient cultures, and of course, like come at it from an Irish point of view, the Celtic or a few other ancient thoughts. But um, you find it everywhere where just the Bard is like a channel, or maybe channels music that reflects what's going on in the society or channels um, songs about their great heroes or their history, their, their myths, their hopes, their dreams. It's like their, their worldview is channeled by these bards. So essentially that my, my next album is, is about that. And I've just been reflecting on that a lot. Just like how, how do I use songs for myself? How do I share them with others? Can I get back to even a more ancient bardic tradition and how I share it with others? Mm -hmm. This podcast is a really great way. I already feel that way. It's, it's not only about songs, but it's about the communication around the song. What are the songs about? What's the purpose of writing and discussing that? I feel like yeah, that's important to remember. And that is the witchcraft. Yeah. So, um, yeah, when you said songcraft, witchcraft, and I was like, yes, absolutely. Um, you know, the, the term, as we were talking about earlier, you know, the term witch was used as something that was negative, but the reason why women are reclaiming it so powerfully that the way that they are now, it's because it was all of the things that was beautiful about the work that they did and the, the healing of people and the intentional healing and the intentional herb crafting. And so that's the same with our music nowadays. Well, always, right? The bards were doing that. There was an intention with the message that they were getting across. And so the understanding, the healing, the teaching was happening through song. And um, and you do that, and I honor that. Thank you. You do. <laughs> I honor Thank you. That. Thank you. I call it ethereal magic. That's this this term that I use, and like, because it's you know, it's what it's what's coming in through the ethers, and we're using our voice that then is released out into just energy, air, and it travels, and it 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 lasts forever. And so, so with all of that, I would love for you to play. We would love for you to play something for us. We would all love it. Well, um, I was just debating I can play a springtime song or I can play um, 
I have a brand new song. Healing the goddess from the earth. I'm debating which one to play or both. Oh, you could play both? Well, I guess let's start with springtime. Okay. Okay. Happy spring. Happy first day of spring. Yeah, this, this is a song about Flotheveth, uh, which I maybe was pronouncing. She's a Welsh goddess of spring. Um, the song is about her story, where she's essentially like Persephone, where uh, she spends half the year as an owl in autumn and winter, and then the other half she flowers, essentially. But she started out as a goddess who was born out of the mountains, created for being a wife of a god that she never met before. And uh, it was essentially like a male order bride mythology. She ended up not love, loving that guy at all. And something else. And, uh, when she discovered love in herself, where that other man, it seemed like she awoke him to her full self. Um, but that is also part of her tragic story where they killed her husband so she could marry the other guy. His, her husband's mother cursed her to be an owl. <laughs> have to basically be separated. But there's something really beautiful about it because she has this beautiful heart of becoming herself. And she still sings to this day. They say that that's why the, the owl, the, the barn owl, looks like a flower. Because in Welsh, I guess, um, she was called flower faced, and that's why the owl is a flower faced owl. I love those owls. I love owls. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, so essentially. Yeah. I think they were trying to explain why those creatures were so magical that they were connected to the goddess. But yeah, so here's your song. Born of flower, born of song, I was made for you.
beautiful thank you. <laughs> yeah thank you i would love for you to play us one more sure we have time yeah we have time yeah so uh this is almost like a little preview of what i will be doing my next big project is releasing an album song by song with a video of each song um, performed live and then um me explaining the story behind the song so essentially it's like what i've been excited about that that bardic tradition where mm. the songs are used to be about a myth or a story. You know, something that becomes just human that we can relate to on a human level. So, Lord um, of the I just sang about, um, she's part of that project. Um, but this song is also part of that project. This song I wrote when I was in Ireland last, and it was, um, it was an emotional moment. I wrote it um, because it was about my grandmother's house. But in essence, when I stood there on the land that house used to be, like I remember seeing, um, I realized that none of that had gone away. That the energy that I loved was still there. Uh, it didn't matter that something superficially changed on the soil. And it got me thinking about how many layers of history have existed on this earth, how um, our ancient ancestors that were worshiping earth boxes, honoring the earth in very deep spiritual ways, how perhaps their monuments have fallen down or intentionally knocked down, or burned down, or they just decayed with time. But the energy is still on the soil. And that's what's important, not the superficial monument. And so the song is essentially about that. It's kind of part of me letting go of learns about holding on to those superficial physical parts that could remind me and instead of feeling the energy that is never, never falters, that is always there. So this is called Cloister. Oh, <laughs> 
And this will be up on the podcast in a little while. And I'll see you soon. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Blessed be.